All right. Greetings, everybody. It is Uncle Mike, and today is Thursday, April the 28th, and we got another episode of From the 40th Parallel. My good friend, Ross Ben, is with me today, and we are here to discuss this past weekend in Pittsburgh. Ross, how are you today? Thankful, man. How about yourself? I'm a little bit cold. I'm a little bit cold. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna act like I'm not. It's it's April 28th, and I've looked at the calendar, and they said it should be warm by now, and I'm not quite feeling that. Right. And I don't want to sound like I'm not. I'm not happy for the sunshine. Like I don't want to sound dis dis disgraceful for that. But if I'm being completely transparent, yeah. I, other than the, I, I am a little bit of cold. But other than that, I'm well, doing well. I'm doing real well. I'm right there with you. It's a little, but you know, it's also early in the dawning too, you know? Yes, it is. We normally don't record this early. This is, uh, and it's actually not even that early. It's 745. I'm normally an early riser and I got up, I woke up at 710 today, which is sleeping in for me today. So, but that's not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss this past weekend and our adventures down in Pittsburgh. Hmm. Well, I can't. I can't call it a weekend, man. All right. What? Well, okay. 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 Walk me through. Walk me through the life. Strong beginning. It was a strong beginning. It was a strong beginning. It was no un- weekend, man. <laughs> you know? And no strong. Nah, beginning. it was a strong beginning, bro. I was incredibly inspired. It took me a day to just decompress and process uh when i return man because we experienced so much in such a short period of time you know and uh if we say the ancestors communicate whether you're aligned or not through synchronicity oh my gosh you know we 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 receive some powerful affirmations because particularly Sunday, it just stood out as just an incredibly magical day, man, from start to finish. Without a doubt, without a doubt. So, um, you know, maybe we can go through and, and, and start a little bit from the beginning and, and talk to and describe what, what just occurred, you know, today is it's almost been a week since 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 we were were down there and just walk through. We could walk through the whole time together and what we did, and what we thought. But before we get there, I wanted to make make a comment. You 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 mentioned that it took you a day or two to uh, decompress from the event. And something which I've noticed, and and I'm not really certain what 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 exactly it is, but I just know that it is and is because it happens so frequently, or it happens very predictably. Um, that I go through this process. I've noticed this every time we've gotten together that we've done ev- events together, primarily uh, uh, the bigger ones, like when I went down to the Wissahickon and so forth. Um, I follow that weekend with you know, whether we want to use the word decompress or a deflating where it just feels like there's this, this for maybe two days, for two days, it just feels like everything inside of me just kind of like collapses. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Uh, and I have to remember, I'm like, this is what seems to happen. And for two days, I don't want to do anything. And then I kind of come back from it. But my question is, or maybe my observation is like, you know, that what what, what is the, the mechanism? Like, what did we experience? What did I go through as an individual where like I that I go through the deflation before I then come back to the stable ground? Because we went through something. Yeah, I'm still trying to find the words to articulate what I just experienced, man. All right. Other than I could say, I had no idea. Pittsburgh was such a portal city, you know, like that's even a motif and theme you see in the artwork and like, you know, you'll be on a bridge and the, the iron work or the stone work uh, aesthetic of the bridge is that of a portal with like a, like a art circle and Right, Mr. Rogers. I, Mr. Rogers is based in Pittsburgh. His memorial was a portal, you know, just like a a, a stone portal. So I had I had no idea beyond just the fact that there's so many bridges and tunnels that it was a portal city, you know? And right, it, it, Pittsburgh does hold that title, Gateway to the West. And, I and, and I'll say this, a big question was answered for me about Pennsylvania that I couldn't fully articulate with just my awareness of Philadelphia. And I okay. even saw this question asked in a comment recently on one of our videos. Why is Pennsylvania the keystone state? You know? And I, I think it's Pennsylvania is the keystone that opens the gate way to the west you know it's the key that opens the gate the keystone that opens the gateway to the west man and pittsburgh the mystery of pittsburgh is you know if you don't know that in its fullness then you don't know you then don't, you don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot you just said there, which which I, I kind of want to unpack. Um, and and the, the 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 first thing is is you're absolutely right, and I've I've thought about that for as long as I have been involved with the whole sort of Susquehanna mystery was the idea of the name of Pennsylvania being called the key to, the Keystone State. And there has there, there's significance there, like regardless of how we want to define it, you have to you have to recognize just the nature of how things are set up and the nature of wordplay and the nature of symbology and the nature of the Freemasonic organization of the municipality we call the United States. Like Keystone is really a, an, a significant symbol and sort of call a state that is has very big implications. Um, 
And I'm coming more and more. And, and I've looked at that from a couple of different ways. And I've always been been to a degree satisfied with the fact that the geology of Pennsylvania it has been expressed as being highly, highly significant and unique amongst just North America in general. Like they say right. that the that from like the from the from the the glaciers and they pushed the top layer of soil across North America and then the glacier stopped the Pennsylvania. And so that all just dropped on Pennsylvania. And that's why there's such a wide mixture of 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 minerals that are found here, which aren't found other places to the uniqueness and the quality of the the forests and the wooded area of Pennsylvania being unlike the other parts of mid-Atlantic. And I thought that was also a key pointing to something, but I hadn't been to Pittsburgh before. Like I knew what Pittsburgh was. Like I could find it on a map. I know like some of its, its cultural touch points, but I hadn't set foot there. And having set foot there, like there was a greater, like, you know, you get it in your experiential reality of what you're talking about. And, and the first thing I want to say is coming from being in Baltimore for the past, I don't know, 10 weeks or so. Um, I mean, I've kind of had like a bad, <laughs> a bad taste in my mouth about urban environments. Like it's just dirty in Baltimore. There's trash everywhere. And it's like hard to get around. And it, like, it's just like, what's, what a city in the modern world is is you know unfortunately like and when i came to pittsburgh i was like we were going through some parts of town where where i could tell by our tour guides and like ah, oh, this is kind of like you know part of the mess is what their attitude was and i'm like you call this mess i mean this is the cleanest city i've ever seen like right. this place is fantastic and pittsburgh to move around amazing. you're right it was for a major city coming out of philly coming out of filthy dofia Exactly. Pittsburgh was remarkably clean. I would affirm that. And and just the the, the housing. And, and that was a big part of my presentation before I got there. I'm really aware of housing for whatever reason and how the housing because of how Pittsburgh is is um, situated in the in the environment. You know, it's it's in the mountains. It's hilly. And the way the houses are in the hills, like it felt like I was in in the Pacific Northwest it has a very strong Pacific Northwest feel in terms of like the climate and the hilliness of it. It was a really, really like no matter what, it was very it, it, it's unique. It's unique for for the East Coast, or at least from what I've experienced on the East Coast. And then the the, the last thing I want to say before I, I, I drop this is we were blessed with good weather. Like oh, I, man. I haven't been. I don't know Pittsburgh's climate, but what I gather from talking to the other folks is it's not normally what it was like this weekend, which was eighty degrees and sunshine. Right. And we had the most fantastic weekend. If we would have been seven days earlier, we would have been. We would have. We we would have been hit with snow. Right. And they it's said like it every- dropped down to forty once we left. And it dropped down 40 and look at us here. Like, look at me here now back in Baltimore, like, you know, complaining about the cold, like the whole thing. Yeah, man. The weather definitely 
added to the magical feel of the of the weekend. Of the you want to talk? Want to start with like Saturday day, like what we did, and just some of your thoughts on where we went, and just any impressions. Well, we we started at the at the point at the confluence of where the four rivers meet and got to experience, you know, the energetic center, the energetic point, the energetic uh, confluence that really is makes Pittsburgh the, the portal that it is. And I knew when I reflect back on November and December, when I was doing the 2022 forecast, I had said to myself, man, whatever I'm doing in late April with this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction in Pisces, whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm going to be, it's going to, you know, it's going to be powerful, right? And when we were at that confluence point and it just be like, wow, this is a place where four rivers meet. Uh, yeah, I realized like this, this is that, you know, Pisces conjunction right here, you know, to be at such a portal place. And what reaffirmed that is that the locals kept speaking on the fact that 2011, 2012, a lot of Mayans and Tibetan mystics and people from all around the world inspired by that uh, Mayan calendar, Mayan prophecy, were coming to Pittsburgh feeling like, hey, this place where all these sacred waters are, you know, the confluence of these sacred waters, like this is an important place in the omniverse. And, you know, this is where we're going to make our pilgrimage in these end times to say our prayers, you know? So when I heard that, Yeah, I just felt like, man, we are really fortunate and aligned to be here at this celestial event. Wow. With uh, so I I I forgot about all that Mayan conversation. So let me let me take a step back for the folks who are listening. So so the 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 geography of how Pittsburgh is set is set up there. There are two rivers that meet the Mon and the Allegheny. So this is in the Western part of Pennsylvania and they meet. And at that meeting point is where the, where the point is what you're talking about, where our tour began on Saturday, but where those two rivers meet is thought of from a naming perspective. Because, I mean, it's it's just in a name what I'm about to say, but where they meet is where the Ohio River begins. So, I mean, technically, it's like, you know, it begins where those two rivers begin, the Mon and, and the Allegheny. But where those two 
rivers meet is where Pittsburgh is, which is where the Ohio River begins. And the Ohio is one of the two primary tributaries that make up the Mississippi River. And as Ross Naim was pointing out, he's like, it is the primary, it is the primary confluence. And I asked him, I was like, well, why do you say, why do you say primary? Walk me through the logic on why that is. He's like, well, if you look, if we are taking our clues and our cues of understanding by looking at those that came before us, primarily the mound builders, the mounds are all along the Ohio as opposed to the Missouri, which is the other confluence. So if we look at where the people put their, you know, quote unquote, civilizations, what, what the mound complexes represent, this is where they came up. They came up to the point which we're now calling Pittsburgh. And so now we can begin to think about that, like historically, we can begin to think about it in all sorts of different ways. But I know what really what 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 became what what is very what is of high interest to me is the nature of going back to this keystone state of Pittsburgh and what it represents on, on a river level without quite yet defining what a river is. All of the stuff I've talked about, about what the Susquehanna is, which might be 150 miles east of where Pittsburgh is, but it's a major river, which is about 50 miles, uh, the Susquehanna being 50 miles west of, of where the Delaware or where, the Phila Phil or where Philadelphia is oriented. And we can begin to see this continuity of what has been built of the foundation, the structural foundation of what became what we now think of as the United States. And this is where the structure is. And they're all so different, but they're also, they're so, so connected. They're connected in the natural world and they're connected in the mystical world. Right. Because what does a keystone actually do? It's the stone. Oh, did you want to Answer. No, no, I would hear where you're going. I was going to answer the question. But... <laughs> but it's that stone at the top of an arch that, you know, uh, we say isometrically helps the arch be self-sustained and, and self-supported, right? So it's the stone that keeps the portal open because the arch is a portal, right? And so, yeah, man, all these mysteries that I've had about Pennsylvania and the Keystone State until you're at Pittsburgh and see how, like what you're saying, like from Pittsburgh, you could jump off to the Great Lakes and the St. Lawrence. You can uh, come due east along the 40th and get straight to the Atlantic, you know? You could take one river southwest into the Mississippi. You could take another river southeast towards the Susquehanna and uh, DC, Baltimore area. Man, it's such a pivot. And it's there's nothing near it. Like where we are on the East Coast, like 
from Boston to New York to Philadelphia to Wilmington to Baltimore to Washington, D.C. to Richmond. Like that's this line. And like there's there there's there's such concentration and you get on I-95 and it all just blends like it's it's one. It's the highest. It's a it's a 400 mile stretch, if I'm correct, from from D.C. from D.C. to Boston. And in that 400 miles, the number of people that live in that continuous area, that's the highest concentration of humanity anywhere on Earth, or at least that's what they're telling us. But then when you go and you look at Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's near nothing. Like, you know, it, it's like you're going through coal mining town, and then all of a sudden, like, you've got this thing. And just as you're saying, and you can get anywhere, you can get down the Gulf of Mexico, and you just, you just hop in, you hop in the Ohio, and if, that'll take you down to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, there, there, two things. So I want to, I want to go back to what you're saying about the keystone and like what the keystone actually is and particularly its role in the arch and, and the arch being a portal, a, a, a passageway into something else. And we can look at that from many different ways. You know, we can look at it from the most mystical way of like, I'm going through a portal and I'm going into another, uh, literally another dimension or, or maybe something less, less fantastical, but that's what it is. And the arch, like going back to like actual masonry, not, not, not a, not a, not a speculative uh, fraternity of individuals, but like like actual like actual who, cutting of stone. Yeah. Who, who work with stonework, like the 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 arch, like to be able to go and balance the stones to make an arch. Like that's that was always one of the mysteries and the secrets of the stonemason guild. Like, you know, back in the day, you would have guilds of professions and they would have secrets and their secrets was to protect their livelihood. Like in a way, be like, you know, if you once you get you get you get uh, initiated into whatever your guild would be like, you know, stuff. And, and the biggest secret was like how we make the arch, because if you think about it, like it doesn't make sense. Like the the stones that make the arch are going to collapse unless there's this perfect stone at the top of it which is able to hold them together, the literal uh, forces of gravity and collapsing, which would hold, which would happen of the stones that would make the arch are actually, uh, it's that pressure which makes it work. And the keystone has a very unique trapezoidal shape. And we also like, you know, that's one of the definitions which I've always heard of the phrase, the stone that the builder rejected is the keystone. So this idea of of this thing that you don't necessarily that doesn't look like everything else, like it's the stone that do, is not in the shape of all of the other stones. This is and the builder in this instance being the you know the 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 person without eyes to see, like they reject that stone, but that's really where the magic lies. And so we yeah, apply they, that they, to uh, the stone that the builder refused. Yes. Yes. Always be the head cornerstone. Yes. Yes. Just a let let me just run with that for a second. Every single person I would say who was at who came to our uh, to to the event on Saturday because it was all of our our event. Like I would say would probably say that they somehow fall underneath the 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 motif in their family life 
of being the black sheep, mm. which very much is that that stone that the the builder refused. The right. like you know, it's like that no one else gets, but it's from that sort of place. Like now is the time, like you know, right? It's 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 we're in that that phase in life that the folks that were 10 years ago, even five years ago, who were talking and seeing things, which to the more mainstream perspective was just seen kind of nuts, you know, it's the world is changing. And so going, so the second point I want to comment on before, before I hand it back to you was, was the idea of, um, of, of the Mayan. And so we brought up, the story it was it was the lead up to 2012 and if if people can remember back back in in the the lead, the early part of 2012 because it was the the winter solstice december 21st 2012 which everyone was all like you know worked up about but one of the stories was particularly at the time within the the alternative media whatever you want to describe that was the the parade of crystal skulls being led by Mayan elders across North America from sacred site to sacred site. And Pittsburgh was one of those locations. And so and, and it was said to be part of the process of the of the ending of the one of the one son and the birth of the new or of the age or whatever word you want to go and use for passing through a different time here on Earth. Like Pittsburgh was significant and we're beginning to see that and experience that, you know, I feel like we're waking up and we're like wiping all the stuff out of our eyes. It began last early May when, when we did our thing out in the Wissahickon and then we went to, to the Susquehanna and then we went down to, to, to Pittsburgh completely unchanged to us. And we hit it just when you said, just when, 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 when Jupiter, when Jupiter conjuncts Neptune and like right now, uh, Venus is conjuncting them as well. You know, we've got like the lesser, the greater benefic on there and like the timing of everything and the coming together and the clarity. So, yes. So the we began Pittsburgh or we began our, our weekend on Saturday by taking our tour. We all met at the point, which is the location of the rivers. And we were given the history and the viewpoint. And I want to say this one last thing, and then I'll get off of my, 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 my square. And that is that we're walking around. We're like 20 deep walking in this, like really kind of like public spot. It's a, the point is a real nice area in Pittsburgh. And we didn't make sense to anyone. Like if you were like a regular folk and you saw 20 people walking together as we did and you're trying to understand what this group is and you got a you got a you got a box in your mind. And this is just how people work. Like there's no reason for, for getting upset that people work this way. This is how we work. When you see something, you try to make sense of it and you make sense of it by going into your inner world. And you're like, oh, that's what this is, because I have experience. I've been taught that's what it is. And when something does not compute, when you see something with your eyes that does not meet with what you've been told, like you're left in a very interesting internal space. That's when that's when things collapse, because then if you don't realize you're holding a box like it collapses because there's no support. 
And everyone was just watching us walking around and no one could make sense of it. But at the same time, there was no there was often when people see things they cannot make sense of. There can be a period of of fear because we we have a tendency to fear what we do not understand or what we do not know. But there was the opposite. There was a magnetism. People were curious. They're yeah. like, what's going on here? Like, hey, yeah. hey, guys, yeah. what you know? And they're just they smiling. And it was yeah, and, and and the type of people we magnetize, because I think the biggest example of that we were at Observatory Hill, and that sacred geometry scientist that works for NASA. Uh. He was out with his daughter, letting his daughter ride her bike. Remember? Uh, uh, so let me let me set it up because I want you to go and walk the people through this. So this is this what, what, what you're talking about right now was the last thing we shared together. We got together on Saturday during the day. We spent like four hours going to different spots throughout the city, going through a tour, took a break. The biggest, and had like one, four- the biggest one after the point was Cathedral Hill, uh, uh, Cathedral of Learning. Cathedral of Learning. We then had a full night, then we had another full day, and then we ended the weekend at at what you're at the observational, uh, the observatory, which was up in the hills. And so we had gotten together as a group, like we knew that we went through something, and it was beginning to wind down. And then, like we're in the middle of of like we're not at a, a, a we're on the outskirts of Philadelphia. We're up on the on the highest point where they built the observa- the observatory and we're having our thing. And then this guy pops up out of nowhere. So now, like, who is it? Describe this guy to us. But, but what was even wild was when he walked up on us, he said, y'all are here specifically for this spot, aren't you? Like, that was the question he asked. Like, he... Right, like he studied us as a group. And I guess his mind deduced, like they're here because of the the earth, this land, you know? And we were like, yeah, we are. And right, got to kicking it. And then the local Pittsburgh Bergians were like, what, that's that's you? You know, like he he's, was a, like a celebrity scientists in Pittsburgh because he uh, is a sacred sacred geometrist who invented some laser that allows you to cut sacred geometric figures. And yeah, he had to give that up because it was overworking him. He, He passed that on. And now he just consults with NASA uh, when they need sacred geometry and divine mathematics in their engineering. And he he walked up. We were circled up. He just came and grabbed hands and joined in the group. Man, that thing was amazing. It was it was so 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 it's. 
we walk up, we, we, uh, we walk up to the top of the observatory. We were at, we were, we were doing some stuff beforehand and we were, we as a group were waiting for the sunset because right. one, we knew that we were going to have an amazing view. And then also the sunset is a really nice way to wrap up what we just uh, experience. So, so we're like, oh, the sun's coming down. We all like, you know, we were, we, we were going through like one of the final presentations and we go up there and we're, we're, uh, there, there are still people in that part of the neighborhood in the North side of Pittsburgh, who also probably like that viewpoint. And we were doing our thing, which if I were to guess was probably outside of the typical behavior, which people would see on this observatory campus, I would you know, up that. there and like Ross Naeem, he's, he's, his voice carries. And like, you know, he's, he's calling in the ancestors and I'm aware you know, now it's like I described a moment earlier about like everyone checking us out. Now, I'm kind of doing the other thing, like in the beginning, at the point, everyone's checking us out. Now, I'm looking at everyone around us and I'm checking everyone else out. And I'm thinking, like, I wonder what's going on in their mind. How are people making sense of this? And this guy comes up real kind of like and I mean this like in a just like in a descriptive way, like kind of a nerdy looking guy. Like quirky, quirky guy, like probably if I were to guess, like mid 50s, uh, looks like a scientist. And he comes up and he starts from at least from where I became engaged in the conversation that I realized that he was talking to people. He starts giving the history of the observatory and he was explaining what you know, whether or not people are allowed to use the uh, the the telescope because the observatory looked like it was in a bit of disrepair. We were outside of it like it looked like like I didn't I didn't know if it was still being used. And I kind of got the impression listening to this guy talk, listening to what I interpreted like cracks in his voice and the speed of his tonality was like he was kind of nervous and he was mm. trying to make sense. And I was thinking, whatever. And then I hear someone else whisper, like, oh, my goodness, that's so and so. I'm like, who is that? They're like, he's he's the sacred geometry expert. I've been trying to get in touch with him for three years. For right. three years, I've been inviting him to my stuff. And he just popped up here. Yeah. And he and then he starts drop like what began with him just telling us about like the observatory. And then he disappears. He's like, oh, I got to go find my child. And I'm like. You got like a five year old on a skateboard. You better go find your kid. Like, you know, right. like, you know right. and he comes back. We're all in hands. He like jumps in in the circle. He holds my hand and like he just he fits in with us, or like he just he, he blends in so effortlessly. And it was like he was part of the family all along. And it was just it was just so like, as you said, it was so like it was. Like it was funny. It was funny. The synchronicity of how it unfolded, the magnetizing of the people coming in at the timing it came in and the information they shared. And I'll say this one last thing about the guy. And I can't remember what what he, I, I guess he has like an official name. Maybe it was like his YouTube channel or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I don't recall either. Um, what uh, what 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 was. So ah, I forgot where I was going to go with it. So I'm going to drop. <laughs> but but it was it was a fantastic time. I would agree. And there was another amazing 
mag like we magnetize someone else to join us but uh what she shared with the group was so mystical and so powerful we had to agree not to speak on it just yet we we had to well how about this and and, and <laughs> <laughs> you you tell me you tell me where the boundary is for this um i think we could give a little bit of a setup of what we had agreed to not share without going into the details can can we do that can we like bump up a little bit against that i i yeah i feel that because because it, it was part of the event we told everyone this is what we're doing we're just right. not going to say what what came out about right well one thing that is amazing about pittsburgh that i have not seen in any other city that I've studied, you know, is that they identify the mounds. You know, we went to two locations where like there are monuments and placards saying like, yeah, this is a Native American tumulus and this is what has happened at this place, da-da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. And at one, we we magnetized someone to the group that shared some amazing information with us that out of respect of uh, the Seneca Nation, yeah, we, we are not going to share, you know, until what she told us because it needs to come from needs to come from the appropriate source it's right. not our place to tell but what what happened just as you said there was you know pittsburgh is known you know there's there it's part of their their cultural history of the city of of pittsburgh is that they at least on the level of historical markers you know let's just you know well it, it is what it is like there are some historical markers that that gives good evidence to what what was happening on the land prior to the municipality of Pittsburgh happening. One of them is like, you know, they're, they're, the mounds are, are, are labeled or some of them were. And so on the second day, the first day of our tour, we went and we looked primarily at the 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 urban geomancy we looked at the actual physical locations in land and looked at what was built upon it in the modern world and then on the second day on sunday we went and we did our tour going to the mound sites and so we go to this one mound site and this is this is just as i said with the observatory which is out in the middle of of the the outskirts of pittsburgh whereas that was the observatory was on the peak of the hills where we were was was on the low point, you know, we're right on one of the rivers and it was like quite literally it was it was on the other side of the tracks. Like when you drove there, you had to drive like you're like, where am I going? I'm crossing over the railroad tracks and there's like nothing around. It just looks like warehouses. And then you like are taking turn after turn after turn, like getting further and further away from anything. And then there's like this kind of like uh, like literally a ball field, a baseball field, like a little league field. And then there's this marker 
that says this is where a mound is. And it was almost humorous. It was almost humorous the way it was set up. Like it, the, the marker undoubtedly pointed to something of great historical significance, but it was done in a way where it's like there, there, there's no, other than the fact that there's this, the sign here, there's nothing honoring the depth of, of what we're seeing. So we went and we looked at it and we, we kind of explored a little bit and then, and then we were like, okay, well, let's go on to our, our next step. And when we did that, there was someone from the neighborhood who came out almost exactly like the guy who we we're talking about before the sacred geometrist. And the first question was almost the same question as what this guy is like, why are you here? What you're here for the land, aren't you? Because she was like, how do you know about this? Like, how do you know? And we're like, this is part of history. And she indicated what we're not talking about, that something recently occurred of significance and that has not been released yet. And she thought that we were aware of that. She's like, how did you know that happened? We're like, we did it. We're just here because, you know, we decided to get together. And it just so happened to be the conjunction of, of, of Jupiter and Neptune. And we're all a bunch of people who are kind of called to be here. And now you are recognizing, like, you know, the timing of it as well. Like, that's another example of the magnetism of what was happening, of the folks coming together. That woman came off of her porch. And she like told us everything. Yeah. Yeah. So well, and and everyone was just like, "Are you for real? Like you, this really is happening? We thought we were doing this thing, and now you're telling us that, right? How and and something else that was amazing was the birds. Hmm. While we were there or throughout While the we there, yeah. I think see y'all part of the group uh went up into the woods, up into the hill. Some stayed at the base, those that stayed at the base, two hawks, one crow, and about three turkey buzzards. Oh man. They let us they they let us know like you know their priest loved us being in the house you know just uh yeah man the birds were real active while we were there it was amazing so so uh exactly so we 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 arrive we arrive at the site and it is it's on sea level, if you will. It's just on the outside of of a a, a little league baseball diamond. And it, it, there's like a, the, 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 the historical marker is there. Like if you're not even on a road, like you got to walk, you got to walk from a parking lot and you just see this historical marker. And there was there was a pound of dirt. There was there was even a sign that said uh, sacred land. It was it was humorous almost when we got there. But we could see we could see that despite the like, like we see the sign and we see all of this stuff, which is obviously not a mound, but we're right by a, a naturally occurring um, uh, hilled area, which would make sense that there's a mound on top of it. And this is a part of the world, which is it's wooded, like it has a, a wooded element, but it's still part of an industrial waste. Yeah, like it's not. It was definitely desecrated land by industry, man. 
Yeah, and 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 just total like like just just disregarded. Like right. it, it 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 was as if it no one cares about it. It was just like right. thrown to the side. It wasn't it wasn't hidden. It wasn't damned. It was just forgotten. Right. And so we go there, and I think it was Ross Naim who started it, and he starts walking up the hill. And it's a pretty steep hill. And it's not like a, it's, there's not a, any established trails up there. And he starts going up. He's got to be at least six foot four. And he's built like me. He's like long and lanky. And he's like going up like, like, like a mountain goat. And he's like moving up fast. And then I think it was Riley and Riley, right? It was Riley and Wise. And they were like, what's he doing? I'm going to follow up. And I watched them go up. And I'm like, what are they doing? I'm going to follow up. And so about five or six of us go up. And, you know, it, was, it, it wasn't like that difficult, but you had to be aware of your footing. And it was all these sort of things. We get to the top of the we get to the top of the hill. And then we see that where it's there's a plateau. And then there's another there's another uh, 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 rising on top of that. It is. It is sectioned off by a fence with barbed wire around it. We're like, well, you know, we're we were we were we were recognizing the ridiculousness of this fence being up there. Like, there's no roads up there. Why is this fence up there? Why is the fence with barbed wire up there? Like all of this sort of stuff. We're talking about that, but we're up on top of the hill, and everyone else, like uh, in the group, was down on the bottom, and we're up there. And one of the one of the 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 attributes of the weekend was the caliber, the ability to uh, uh, both uh, Khufu and, and Ras Naim of replicating bird calls, like their ability to replicate bird calls was was phenomenal. And that was throughout the throughout the time. So we're up on the top of the hill and we start hearing birds. And, and and there's like this we on top of the hill recognize and we hear the birds. And we're doing this bird thing, like kind of playing with it very much like uh, uh, the way Roz was was talking about. He was like, these are the ancestors. The wind and the birds were the link of the ancestors in the communication and the 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 journey which Ras Naim was bringing us all through. So we had that experience. Then we come down the hill, and all of you folks are just like laughing. They're like, "Did you see those birds?" We're like, "No, I didn't see any birds because we're underneath the trees." But from your perspective, you saw this whole thing of uh, uh, come alive of the turkey vultures and the and the hawks and the crows. When we walked up there, like they were, however you want to describe it, you want to say they're agitated, they're excited, they were the speaking from some from another realm because we crossed through the portal. Whatever it was, that happened, and it filled everyone with such joy because we're laughing. We were laughing. I would say that was one of the the, the points of the tour where everyone was laughing the most. Like it opened something up. Like laughter does something. It opens a portal in the human being when you can laugh. There are a couple of things which we do in human bodies which are really significant, and laughter is one of them. And it was after that when the lady came out and told us. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You mentioned the group. I'm going to tell you the biggest takeaway that I, like, you know, had to reflect on. Gratitude, extreme gratitude, was how, man, it was an each one, teach one experience from beginning to end. You know, it seemed like the 
the collective had to answer to every question that was raised. You know, someone in the group, like if someone asked a question, a relevant question, someone in the group had a relevant answer and, you know, shared willingly throughout from, you know, the first location to when we were ending up. And, you know, we attracted some, some, we, some who had been doing this research on their own inspiration for years, and then some who just on the 40th, you know, being inspired from our work on the 40th parallel recently have been decoding Pittsburgh in that area, you know? But, uh, oh man. We all learned so much about that place. And yeah, I, I just really appreciate love that. You know? What? Uh, without a doubt, like everyone there. And, that, and that's one of the things which I think is is so, so special about the, the meeting up of, I mean, you and I are talking about this thing. And it's almost like when I say this thing, I just mean in general, the stuff which we're talking about, it's kind of grounded on the 40th parallel. And then that that resonates with with some with people like you know someone's going to watch it or they're not going to watch it but the people who watch it like it, it the reason why they do is because it resonates something within themselves it's not so much like you and i have um an answer as much as it is we're talking about something and then it becomes something else bigger than the two of us and when we got together in the real this weekend Everyone comes, everyone comes with something, just as you said, and we're all kind of on equal footing. Like it's a little bit, it's uh, like, I, I recognize the reality of how humanity works. Like you and I are here and we're talking. So it's like, we put a face or a name on something, but this isn't ours. This isn't, it's, it's, it's something bigger than that. Bigger and than so that. We, you see that when everyone gets together and you're like, everyone's got something to offer. So one of my where, where that became really, really clear to me or where and, and, and this tickled me, and this tickled me was on that first tour of the point. And so the point is it's literally a point. It's the land where it comes together in the point. And historically, at this location of the point, you can see the the um the remainders it's on the ground the outlines of the two original forts that were located there and so you see these forts and that's kind of like you know however you want to meet that whether that's from a mainstream historical or or an alternative historical perspective like this is this is a key point we're talking about it and all these sort of things and there's a museum there which is a supposed replica of one of the forts because all you see on the ground is an outline of where the fort lied there was nothing in in three dimensions just a two-dimensional indication so we're we're circling around we're circling circling around the point after talking about it and getting ready to go to the next location and one of the and at that point this is the very beginning this is this is before uh, 
like when everyone's still kind of like feeling each other out, getting to know who and what, and like who are the faces, who are the voices, all that sort of stuff, which people do when they come together. And then there's this guy and he's, uh, we're about to leave. He's like, hey, do you want to go and see this? You want to go see this other part of the fort? And the people who were leading, who were leading the tour, who we kind of like were, um, uh, 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 allowing them uh, out of default to be the tour guides. We're looking at this other guy and they're looking at him. You could see their face. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what's over there. Cause this other guy was like, we could go over there. He was like pointing in this direction. They're looking at him like, nah, that's not where we're going to go. We want to go this other way. And the guy was insistent. And it was, I'm watching the thing unfold because I just find human dynamics a very, like, I like to watch how things unfold. I'm like, how's this going to unfold? And the guy was, the, the guy was like, no, let's go check out this other thing was insistent. And so because he was insistent, we're like, okay, let's go check it out. And where he was pointing uh, in the actual reality of the space, it was in this intermingling of 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 the concrete jungle of where all of the the interstates the yeah. city interstates come together like yeah, you had to walk under two highways that was it was insane. the least appealing place you'd ever want to go right it's like, are you certain we're going to go here it's loud and it's it, it, it's the other part was like that's the beautiful park why are you taking me under the highway you know it's like what and we walk through and then all of a sudden we walk into this space and all of the locals all of the people are given the tour guides were like oh I've been here for 30 years and I've never, I've never been there before. Never, and it is the most like it is the worst. Like, like if you're thinking about you're thinking about from a mainstream, what the story goes is this, that there is the, the museum, which was built to be a replica of the of the um, of the fort. But where we went in the most. Like it was just you wouldn't discover it. It's inhospitable. It's not it was like the actual fort. It was the actual fort. And they yeah. wouldn't tell anyone like the only yeah. like the only way it made sense is that this is the actual fort because there's the no way you can build a replica here because it is it is not labeled. It's like it's out of the middle of nowhere. And so that was like how the day went. Like everyone's like pulling these things out of out of their back pocket and everyone's surprised. And by the end of the weekend, Nick, it was Nick who showed us that like Nick was like he was like one of our go to guys, like every single time there was a right. question. Nick was like, well, the blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, Okay, everyone's got a piece. Everyone's got a piece. Yeah, I really appreciated that aspect of, of the experience, you know? I did too. And I would have to say the Pittsburgh hosts, they set a high, you know, they set a high standard for how to host one of these events, you know, for, to, oh, to come great. out the gate as organized and uh, the pre-planning, the visualization that they put into it. Like it was all obvious because there was no logistical uh, snafu at any point, you know, mm -hmm. everything flowed from beginning to end. So Khufu and uh, John, Salute to y'all brothers, man. Y'all, 
y'all put it on y'all did your thing you know definitely so and what what's funny is like i'm imagining i'm imagining a viewer someone watching us talk right now who has like some degree of interest in what we're talking about um we you and i haven't even discussed like anything what was actually revealed like you oh, know man. i gave a presentation and and so so like the the, there's there's a there there besides what we're just talking about and my senses is i'm probably i know what i'm going to do on my end i'll probably walk through my presentation again because going to what we were when we were talking about pittsburgh and the keystone state and the significance of the land like that's what that was what the my presentation was like this is what pittsburgh is this is what what pittsburgh was built upon this is why it's important this is why it's unique this is why it is worthy of pilgrimage when i mean pilgrimage i mean as a human being who lives somewhere who understands another place has significance and then they say i'm going to go to that place to experience that and then bring that back home with me that 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 journey that that adventure is part of me as as a human my human journey that's no matter the time nor the culture that's part of our human experience Pittsburgh needs to be a pilgrimage spot. Like if you live, if you live inside of like, you know, if you can get there, like P Pittsburgh's a place to go to. And I'm hoping that from our, from what I'm going to, the information, all the information I'm going to, I would release and all the information which you release, like gives people at least a point of reference to understand why and why they want to go to what we're calling Pittsburgh and what, and kind of like what to look for. All that being said, you know, John and Khufu, like the, the way I see this unfolding, if I was listening to this at home and if I lived within like, uh, no, I could get in my car and go to Pittsburgh. I'm like, yeah, let's, you know, let's plan a trip down there. John and, and Khufu, they're going to have like a, a, a thing planned out, like a course, a tour, like this is where you go. And I'm seeing that beginning to unfold from all of the people who are, I get emails all the time, not just from folks on the 40th parallel, but all over the place. I got an email just the other day from Todd up in Wales in the UK. And he's like, I'm going to go and start decoding my city. Like, mm. this is what's happening. There is this, there is an awakening of curiosity and of interest of people wanting to get through that the uninteresting story of what's been told of their land, of where they live, to wanting to understand it on a deeper, a, a, an appreciative level, and then wanting to share it with those who come to it. Like that is happening. That yeah. is happening right now. And, and, and we don't have it yet. The infrastructure is not in place yet. But that in, that infrastructure is undoubtedly going to be in place this summer for people to get in touch with John or, or get in touch with Khufu. I don't know how they're going to run with it, but those those tours so you can go and see these places yourself and you can go and enjoy like Pittsburgh is a city that is enjoyable on so many le levels. You know, it's it's like Baltimore coming to Philly like. That's a little bit like, in my opinion, you're putting on a little bit of more of an armor. Like, you know, there's, 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 it's, it's, it's not as easy to navigate. It's dirtier. It comes with other things. Pittsburgh's kind of easy. Like it's, it's, it's. I will it's say this. 
I, I really appreciate love the graciousness of the average Pittsburghian you encountered. They were very gracious, very, they didn't have the edge that you, you know, the average Philadelphian has, you know, I, I would definitely affirm that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I see that. And then let, and something which just popped up uh, yesterday. You know, I posted I posted a picture on my Instagram account and it was a group photo. And and I, I gave a little bit of a description of what went down. And the reason why my motivation, you know, as an individual for doing that is I, I see my role. I see my role in, in, in this in this in this collective is, you know, I'm a storyteller. And if I do it right, I inspire people like it's not even so much that I have to shit that I have anything to share as much as I inspire people to want to go and do their own thing. And so that's why I share that picture. I share that picture like, hey, this is what's going on in Pittsburgh. You know, we got to do more of this. So this guy responds to me, this guy who I know pretty well, his name is uh uh, William Padilla Brown, and he's a local guy in central PA. And he has, he's, he's developed a bit of a national, even an international reputation. Like he's, he's got a big voice. He's a young man. He's pro- I think he's in his twenties and he is an expert within the, the, the science of mushrooms and and mushroom cultivation and growing and identification and foraging and he goes all over and he teaches people how to grow and how to identify all types of mushrooms so he hits me up and and he responded he responded to the to the to the to what i posted on instagram and he's like we have to go and 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 uh and do something together when he was saying that he wasn't talking to me specifically he was talking about what just happened in pittsburgh and whether or not or how this how this materializes, if this materializes, but my sense is it will. But it's this coming together. Like I see his world and I know his world. His voice is much, much greater than mine. Like, I mean, I'm just saying that by like looking at his 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 numbers in terms of like how many people hear what he has to say and that world which I know my work has resonated deeply within the the mushroom community within Philadelphia. I know that from the people who respond to me about stuff I put out, like there's going to be a coming together. Mm -hmm. And I see it happening in where William is, like because because there are places here where we could have a much larger event, but it is for the Pittsburgh. It is for the Philadelphia. It is for the Susquehanna. It is for the, the mystics. It is for the mushroom folks. It's for the foragers. It's for the, the land keepers on every level. Like that's the next, that's the next amount of people coming together. And this thing is starting to grow and it's starting to become something bigger than anything that that one person or two people can be a part of. And so I'm so, uh, you know, that that to me, it was kicked off by the the Jupiter and Neptune occurrence as we are in the, you know, you could look at a confluence as the same thing as a conjunction, you know, the coming together. 
Right. You know, as right. above, so below. Yo, to kind of bring it something else I observed while we were there that kind of parallels this or reaffirms something you've been really at the foundation of what you build on, that there's something about the Susquehanna and, you know, major points like Harve de Grace, where it kind of opens up to the Chesapeake and certain <clears throat> confluences uh, near where the Susquehanna is birthed, that uh, sports industry, uh, big institutions, big things that are like foundries of the nation. They, they post up on the Susquehanna to, to kind of feed, get use the power of the Susquehanna to feed this thing, right? It seemed like uh, Pittsburgh is like the same thing. What what would you, what was your observations on that? Uh, all right, all right. So so I appreciate that. Like you know, you and I, the, the whole thing we've been we've been skirting around like the meat of what exactly is going on in Pittsburgh. Um, <clears throat> without a doubt, like Pittsburgh as a city, looking at it from a perspective of 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 the world which we live in now was was built with an esoteric knowledge by certain individuals to create a certain expression of reality. And I love how you use like the foundry, the foundry of our nation, or the foundry of civilization. Like, yeah, like that. And you know, you know, foundry points because we can see firsts because that's where it's first events. And then the, of, of a, of an industry or a topic which then spreads throughout the earth. Like that to me is one of the, the key ways of, of, or the key compass points of what's going on. And Pittsburgh is a city. And we talked a little bit about the condition of at least of East coast cities right now. There's a real interesting thing going on. And I suppose it's been going on for at least 200 years of the dying and rebirth of cities. And we're seeing like right now, the Austins and the Denver's and there's certain cities where all of this growth is going. And then we're seeing all of these other cities, which are dying just as we saw all these other cities that died before. And we call them rust belt cities. But once upon a time they were, they were, they were, uh, uh, vibrant locations of people. Pittsburgh is unique. Pittsburgh is in a bubble and it's separate in that kind of cityscape. And that points to what exactly is going on and how Pittsburgh was used. And my take is this, all of these locations, all of these locations where we see large concentrations of people, what we're calling city and modern life, they are built upon the, the physicality of the earth in such a way to tap into its intrinsic value, its intrinsic quality of that part of the earth in order to capture it and then shape it so that as life unfolds on this earth, it has that energy and that quality, you know, as the wind in its sails. 
So Pittsburgh has a very, very significant, um, a significant place from that level on earth. And we see it most clearly, in my opinion, with the confluence of these rivers that then become the Mississippi. And we look at it by understanding indigenous science and indigenous history, and we can begin to ascertain what what is the intrinsic value of a land by looking at that and then by looking at what actually happened in in material history and reality so so pittsburgh is very unique in the amount of the the amount of success cultural success so in our cultural value system you know we love sports we love money we love like you know all this sort of stuff like pittsburgh pittsburgh has exceeded what it should do. Like, you know, it's got a small, it's a small population center. It's got like 300,000 people. If you were to go and look at, at the population centers in the United States, Pittsburgh would be around number 70, like New York city being number one, Chicago being number two, LA being number three, like, you know, Pittsburgh comes in at number 70, but they're like top five, top 10 for like number of national championships in professional sports. And like, uh, like the the car, uh, like the colleges and the industry which is out there. So Pittsburgh is this blending of science and art in this beautiful way. It's this blending of opposites in a way which which, um, in my opinion, has been very much been used to create to create where we are right now. And there's certain motifs we can see. Um, and we see that in what we call art. And I'm going to use art with quotation marks. Uh, I know I haven't listened to this, but I was told this this weekend, how the the episode, the most recent episode that was released on Higher Side Chats was a guy who was talking all about Andy Warhol and Andy Warhol not there being enough more to the Andy Warhol story. Like he wasn't just some grassroots artist who changed the way which we know of art that he was set up. And that should be any surprise because that's the way how our culture works. The mainstream culture, you see someone who rises to the top is because the doors were opened and they were set up for that message to come about. So Andy Warhol's from Pittsburgh. Why is that significant? Andy Warhol is really the key point that introduced pop art into our collective consciousness, our obsession with celebrities, our obsession with human beings as stars, as opposed to what we see in the heavens. That all comes from Andy Warhol, this idea of, of what art was before. You know, there was a period of time, like regardless of what what your subjective taste is like or whatever, like part of the world or culture, you know, art has had this this quality. And I'm just going to talk about like painting and sculpture, but let's even just say painting for 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 this moment. It has been immensely uh, relatable from a human being. A human being sees the art, they sees the painting and they can relate to it. Why can they relate to it? Because there are other people in it and they're a people. And they're like, oh, I'm a person. That's a person I relate to it. I get it. Or they're looking at like a landscape. They're like, I've seen landscapes. I live on the earth. I get it. I relate. And then Andy Warhol, he introduced to us, oh, look, it's a friggin' Campbell soup can. And now it's worth $10 billion. Like there's nothing relatable to that. 
but it was a learning. It taught people how to begin to change their way of relating to art. And the only reason why people like the pop art is because the people who they were taught to, to, to follow, the celebrity or the star, they're like, this is it. This is it. This right. is cool. Right. And I so, say it's cool, so it's cool. Whether so you think it's that is Pittsburgh. whether you interpret it as cool or not. And if you don't interpret it as cool, it's because you're not cool. And like you don't me. get it. You right. Get it. You're not a celebrity. Why do you want to right. listen to me? Because I'm on the magazine and you're not. Right. I'm on the movies. You're not. Right. And beginning to recognize that that Pittsburgh in technology and art and education, uh, I mean, without even getting into some of their other industries, like that's what Pittsburgh is about. And it's a bubble of that. And it is a capturing of that intrinsic creative energy of Earth and that capturing of the form of expression on on the land of Pittsburgh and how it's spread throughout our culture. Like that's what Pittsburgh is to me. And to me, like going through this decoding, like, oh, this guy's from here and they did this and look at the geomancy and this happened and look at this building and look at what's here. Like what the value is, it moves out of the subconscious. It moves out of like, we forget about this and we begin to see things as they are. And when that happens, we individually and we collectively, we move out of the spell that we don't even know that we're in. We move out of the slumber. Right. And right. Gateway to the West. Gateway to the West. West, beyond being a direction, is also like a, a culture. Okay. You know what I mean? Like a Western society, Western way of life. Pittsburgh, I really see as a foundry for a lot of what we would say is the Western way of life. You know, the, the lifestyle, the industrial, the, the, the modern home, all these gadgets, post-World War gadgets that, you know, their origins have some military industrial complex usage, but they've morphed it into something they could sell us every day. You know, yeah, uh, Pittsburgh was the foundry of that. I, I had no idea how, how, right, why the arts and sciences are emphasized is because it's the arts that makes this technology a part of a lifestyle, you know, and yeah, that's a big emphasis in Pittsburgh. Also, well, I, I didn't know Pittsburgh's relationship to Hollywood, that Pittsburgh, the money in Pittsburgh, and the names of Pittsburgh birthed Hollywood. I had no idea. And how much Pittsburgh influences uh, the mediascape. That was interesting for me to learn also. It certainly is a big player behind the scenes. And I, I think that and and what what I what I've noticed and what I've gathered uh, studying 
studying cities, studying just like, you know, our modern world and, and how it works and how, you know, some places are protected, some places are propped up, some places are allowed to collapse. Um, like Pittsburgh is a crown jewel from the perspective of, you know, the 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 shapers of of modern culture. And that's what they do. Like the places that are of value uh, are never allowed to collapse. You know, right. that's the why, that's one of the reasons why Pittsburgh is so clean, because it's not allowed to collapse. Like, you know, and the nuts and bolts of it is they have certain programs with with the homeless population in in Pittsburgh. Like from what I gathered, like like there's no better place. There's no better place to be homeless than in Pittsburgh because of like how you're fed and how you're taken care of. And then there's an agreement like, you know what, you clean up your shit. <laughs> Wow. You know, you keep this clean, like, like, and you'll, and I, I even think their programs, like there's a way which, 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 which I think you're getting, you could get paid. Like, you know, you get a little bit of coinage in your pocket, but what, and, and that's part of like how Pittsburgh is in a bubble. But one of the most important things I think Pittsburgh represents into our culture and particularly in the shaping of, of a nation is its role with foundations. You know, we talked about foundry and now I'm going to use foundation because we keep on, and, and you know, we're, we're using that found route. Um, for since the late 1800s, the, it, it went hand in hand with the introduction of, of um, income tax was the establishment of found nonprofit foundations uh, first as a way for the wealthiest, the wealthiest of families to protect their money and not be taxed, but then to go and use that money to create social programs, to create social programs. And probably the best known foundation, maybe it's the largest, but, but if you go through history and you go and look at our modern world and you go and you see how everything came through the foundations, the most obvious one, at least my research has always been the Rockefeller foundation. Like, you know, all roads lead to the Rockefeller foundation, everything like goes through that. Like you look at what they were doing in the early 1900s, but where it really began was the Carnegie foundation. And I don't believe it started as Carnegie foundation. It was first called the Carnegie Institute. But the idea of very, very large, um, large quantities of money are then like put underneath the umbrella of philanthropy. And then from that money, which is then given to people like regular folks like, hey, we're this big foundation. We got billions of dollars. And if you go and you do research or you do this program along this end goal, well, then we're going to go and pay for you. And so, like, you know, that's how the world works. The first foundation is in Pittsburgh. It's Carnegie. Like that is where it begins. And there, right. I, I wish I I wish I had this for you. Um, on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, I got a tour. I went out with Khufu and he gave me this walking tour. It was just me and him. It was one of my one of the highlights of my my personal time there. And um, we first walked through this one park. It was kind of like a junkie park. You know, there's there's there were a lot of junkies around there. And it was like, you know, it's whatever that park is. We all know what that's like. 
And we walk through that and then it, it unfolds into another park. And this other park is just spectacularly beautiful and well-maintained and filled with, with, with public art and, and, and public buildings. It's where the, the, the national aviary is. Um, but we walk through this one place and there's, I think there are museums there and there's like, you know, there's, there's, there's apartment buildings, but it's, it's about it, in my opinion, as beautiful as an urban environment can be. And I came across this statue, we walked across the statue and I didn't have anything with me to capture the statue. Um, but it, it, it tells you what's going on and that, and I want to describe the statue for you. So it's got two parts. It's got this guy and he's sitting down and he, if you were to look at him, he would probably look like he was in his young, in his early twenties. Like he's a young man and he has a very like kind of powerful physique, but he's kind of dressed in like a, almost it looked like a, like a, what I would call like a, like a doofus. Like he's got pants on, he's sitting down, he's got pants on. And he's got like these big goofy shoes on. This is a beautiful statue. So he's got nothing on his chest. So you see this very muscular chest and he's got this goofy hat on and he's sitting down with, with this book in front of him and he's intently reading this book. And then above this, 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 this part of the statue, and this is the most dominant part of the statue. I'm going to say that's easily from, from the feet down to the head is six feet in height. And then above that um, is another part of the statue. And you've got this other guy and this other guy, all it's more like a bust. All you see is from the torso up and the shoulders and the head and the head is looking down. And it looks like a guy from like how you would imagine the, what I imagine would be the mid 1800s. And he's wearing like a, a shirt and tie, but he's got that look. He looks, and he's an older guy and he looks very stern. And I forget the name of who this historical person is, but he set up a, like a program for, for the Pittsburgh youth to really like to, to, to shape the Pittsburgh youth and who yeah. that youth is, is Andrew Carnegie. And it shows Andrew Carnegie as like the young wild man. That's what he represents with like his shirt off and his muscles and he's studying hard and he's got the hat he's supposed to wear and he's got the goofy shoes and on top of him is this guy. And he's like, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm shaping you. Right. And so yeah, and I saw that. I saw that statue, too. You and, saw that. Yeah, and the boy is sitting on an anvil. Yes, he's sitting on an anvil. He's being shaped. He's being shaped. He's being molded. He's and, being molded. Yeah. And Carnegie, and the reason why I bring this up is because if we're going to go and look at this from a cultural perspective, like everyone knows Carnegie. You know, there's Carnegie Hall. There's like the Carnegie Institute. He was like, you know, U.S. Steel and, and U.S. Steel, which was headquartered in Pittsburgh, was like the first billion dollar company. At a point, it was like the 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 uh, had the highest market capitalization of 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 any of any company, most profitable company in the world. That was all in Pittsburgh. That is where like so much of the monies, which then built all the other stuff, came from that, though. The real money came before Carnegie. He's just the one who ever. Everyone knows he was the one who was shaped 
You know, it's the Mellons and the bankers who are really like the older families who are behind it. But but he's the one who are given who we are given as a culture of half asleep people be like, look what Carnegie did. Like, look what he gave us all. And what an amazing thing. And I'm going to say this one last thing before I step down. And that's one of the great one of the great. Uh, and I call this I call it the Pittsburgh paradox is we point out all of these beautiful things and great things about Pittsburgh. And if you are a Pittsburghian, if that's even a word, like there's a great sense of pride within your city. And I think that's a natural thing. I think all people should have a sense of knowing the land they live in and, and understanding why and why it's fantastic because there is not a part on this earth which does not have a fantastic story. It's not a competition. It's understanding the fantastic story of each part. There's a great sense of, of, of pride within the Pittsburgh within Pittsburgh. But then when you begin to like deconstruct what that pride is, it's like, is this something I really want to be associated with? And that's the friggin' paradox. Like, how do we get right with like what we've been born into, what we love, what the pop culture and the pop art and the, you know, I like going to football games. I like rooting for my team. I like, I like seeing a Steelers fan and like, like, you know, and, and, and connecting with them. Like there's some truth to that. But then when we get down to it is like, it's not so simple. So I'm going to give this one last example. So the Carnegie, the Carnegie foundation, the Carnegie Institute has become a lot of different things. Uh, and one of its most, let's say beautiful outcroppings is something which is known as the Carnegie Institute of International Peace. And so that's what it's all about. What could be more, you know, as a lover of humanity, what could be more along like, you know, my personal value system or anyone else who feels the same way than an institute which is all about about recognizing the universal brotherhood which the human family shares with each other and with earth and all of the other creatures which we find upon earth what could be more perfect than that other than the fact that what paid for all of this where all the money for this institution uh came from profits of world war one and world war two and that's the friggin paradox and so so going back to like the demystifying is also the recognition of once things are demystified, we still have to recognize like what do we do with the fact that we're now part of it? We got right. skin in the game. How do we go and we find our way now that we understand what we've been born into? Right. Yeah, that, you know, when when that struck what you're talking about when that really struck me was when we were near the Cathedral of Learning. And Can you describe what the Cathedral of Learning is? Tell everyone what that cathedral is. Cathedral of Learning is just that. It's a temple of arts and sciences, you know, that that is the central architectural structure of U Pitt's campus. And I'm not going to get super deep into the architecture of it. Because it's tall. It's a tall building. Like it's, yeah. you don't normally see something like that on a college campus. No. And it's, it's just strange. It's out of place and you can't help but notice it. And it's called the Cathedral of Learning. 
but uh, I was going to speak on soldiers and sailors, which is looked like a Atlantean temple. It was another temple, but it was a war memorial. It was a war memorial temple. And when I saw it and I saw how elaborate this basically temple to war was, and I reflected on how, right, the money of Pittsburgh was, was made from the Civil War and World War One and World War Two. And they called it soldiers and sailors like it's a war memorial honoring the lost lives, but maybe it's just memorializing the idea of war because that's where they made their 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 wealth from, you know? It 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 makes you think, you know, if when you like you say, if you know the roots of Pittsburgh's abundance that it really the the industry that was built up there was primarily a war industry and then you see all of the war memorials peppered throughout the city but then this actual temple to the idea of war soldiers and sailors yeah it definitely gives you a lot to think about but yo Let's not get super deep. Let's not drop too much now. I, I want to say one thing. But then you, I say, with you. you say we got 15 hours of footage, right? We got so much. This stuff uh, is going to be available. Like we've got like the tours. We've got out my presentation, your presentation. We've got uh, a lot of the 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 spontaneous the spontaneous sharing from Ross Naeem, uh, Ross uh, Maish. Like we've got so much good material. Well, I'm not really certain how it's going to come together yet, but for the folks that were not able to see it, there's going to be an opportunity to do two things. One to one to uh, to to have the experience and learn and then also to support John and Khufu. Like they put this on. They put a tremendous amount of energy and time into creating this. And listen, it's not about the money. Like we just talked all about the money, but like in this world right now, it's like I want to make certain that their time and money are their time is compensated. So we're going to like make a way for like people to be able to go and, 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 and take care of John and Khufu and then also receive this information. But there's, there's, there's one thing, or let me first ask this or say one thing about, about this, the soldiers and sailors. So, it's literally across the street from the Cathedral of Learning. That's why you brought up the Cathedral of Learning. Like this is the same part, this this part of the city of Pittsburgh, which is beautiful. It's where all the college campuses are. Carnegie Mellon, University of Pitt. There are about five other colleges, campuses all right there. And then across the street from the most obvious architectural detail, the the, the center of learning, the Cathedral of Learning is this is this, as you call, temple. And visually, it has a lot of similarities. And, and, and tell me if you would agree with this to the art museum in Philadelphia. Yeah. Like it looks like it in general sense. Yeah. yeah. Like the coloring of the of the of the building, the way the steps lead up to it. Like like you'll see them like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's 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 some similarity to it. But there's a cultural touch point. Uh, I don't know if you heard this when the people were talking about the building, uh, but that. That building was the scene 
from a very, very was the location of a very famous scene in a pretty famous movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. All right. Because this this kind of encapsulates what I'm calling the paradox of Pittsburgh, or really the paradox of all of our culture, but but Pittsburgh is just a symbol of it. Um, and are you familiar with the movie The Silence of the Lambs? I'm familiar with it, but I don't think I've seen it. All right. So it came out. It came out in the I think 1991. It was nominated for Best Picture. Uh, I've talked about it a lot. I think. It, uh, but it's it's a psychological. It's a psychological thriller, and it deals with like all sorts of grisly, like murder and death. And there's one. That's scene Hannibal Lecter, right? Yes. Hannibal Lecter and probably the most famous ball. Hannibal, he is the ultimate symbol played by the ultimate actor and the most famous scene of Hannibal Lecter. Now, I guess it's 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 subjective by saying the most famous scene, but it's definitely like the 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 peak of it. It's when Hannibal Lecter was like brought into this special place and he put it in put him in a cage and then somehow he he got out and he like 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 killed all the people and and it was this really really like strange visual juxtaposition of of beauty and art because cannibal was was immensely refined he was a ta- he was a the world's leading psychiatrist he was a expert artist he was uh with food and with 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 music and where he did, where we saw his most grisly crime took place inside and was filmed in that monument, in that temple, the Soldiers and, and Sailors Monument in Pittsburgh. That's where it was filmed. Interesting. I'm not surprised it had that vibe. Yeah, it did. You know? The architecture that it reminded me most of is the Scottish Rite Temple in Washington, D.C. It's pink mm. and Columbia Road. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. Definitely so. Yeah. Architecturally, that's what it was reminiscent of. All right. Well, um, I think we did a good job kind of uh, walking through, walking through the weekend, maybe enticing people to want to know more about it. Are there any final words or anything else which you want to share? No, I think. uh, Yeah, we gave a good summary, a good overview of the experience. And. Right. You can look for some of the presentations and some of the footage. Again, we're. Going to edit it up process it we're not sure how it's gonna how the final form is gonna be made available but uh we'll keep you posted definitely all right right, mystic mike have a good rest of your day brother from one mystic to another salute and uh yes keep the vibe respect keep it moving keep it moving All right.